What's up, everyone? Ryan right here inside the war room. As always, today our guest is Bob Herrick. But first, let's pay them bills. But you know what? Actually, not going to pay the bills today. All I ask for is if you appreciate these podcasts, drop us a five-star review. I will link to that in the show notes. And just scroll down on your podcast listening device, and you can probably find it right there. Okay, so SI.com golf writer Bob Herrick is a longtime writer for ESPN and the Tampa Bay Times. He has covered Tiger and Phil since the very beginning of each of their own careers and has had dozens of one-on-one interviews with each of them. He holds a degree in journalism from Indiana University and is an active member of the Golf Writers Association. He lives in Florida. So we got him on to talk about his book, Tiger and Phil, Golf's Most Fascinating Rivalry, and the Live Tour. Lucky enough for us, Bubba Watson just defected to the Live Tour, and so we get to talk about that as well. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Bob. Well, Bob, I don't know if we could have planned this any better. We <laughs> wanted to bring you on to talk about your, your new book and the Live Tour. And uh, last night we had big news breaking for the Live Tour. So where do you want to start, the book or the Live Tour? I'll go wherever you want to go. I'm happy to talk about them both. I feel like an expert on both. Um, certainly, I'm an expert on the book since I wrote it. Not necessarily an expert on everything else, but uh, no, I'm happy to chat about uh, either subject. They've been uh, obviously both very, very big part of my life here lately. Okay, we'll start with the book. Um, why now? Good question. Really good question. Uh, because there's been more to tell on the Tiger and Phil story since I finished the book basically at the start of the year. I mean, there's a lead time on a book. Um, the reason it was now was because after Tiger won the Masters in 2019, it sort of occurred to me that, that we were coming to the end of their reign. And, and Phil was a big, big part of Tiger's story along the way. And a lot of people didn't recognize that. And I felt that Phil deserved some recognition in terms of what he had accomplished despite the fact that Tiger's record was so much better, so much bigger, uh, so much more, you know, obviously Tiger basically doubled what Phil did. And yet Phil is way better than what anybody else did. And he held his own at, at times, not early, but he did hold his own. And I just kind of thought, you know, it'd be, it'd be good to put in perspective their battles and their squabbles. And, you know, they, they had some pettiness amongst them. Nothing ever egregious, but just, uh, you know, they, they, they clearly were at each other's throats there for two decades. And there was ups and downs and there was a time where they got friendly and then they weren't. And little did I ever think that Phil, while I was in the process of writing the book, would add a major himself. You know, he won the PGA at age 50 last year. It's hard to believe it was only last year. It was only, what, seven, 16, 17 months right. ago. It feels like forever. Yeah. And, uh, and, and you know, you could make the argument that that win was as impressive as Tiger's 2019 win. It, it, it's a good debate, I think, frankly, because, you know, while we might not have expected Tiger to win in 19, he had shown some form. I don't think anybody thought Phil was going to win the PGA last year. You know, he, he was 50. Nobody had ever won a major at that age. He hadn't really been showing much promise, and yet he found a way to put it together and win. Uh, and, and, you know, it's one of the all-time great stories. So, anyway, you, you throw all that together, and I think there's, you know, a, a, a fairly compelling story that, 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 uh, that was to be told there. 
from the just casual viewer outside of perspective, not someone who's around the sport like you are, it feels like the two characters in the book um, have almost flipped. So early on, Tiger is very reserved. He's not talking a lot. He's kind of, you know, kept to himself. Phil's kind of out there doing this stuff, at least from outside. Now it seems like Phil's kind of more, more yeah. isolated and Tiger's a little bit more out there relative to what Tiger was. Is that a fair observation? Is that not it? I'm, I'm curious because it feels like they've kind of just crossed paths on public perception and how they're viewed by the outsiders. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, Tiger, Tiger was the grizzled, hardcore blinders on champion. And Phil was the man of the people. You know, Phil was the popular guy. He, he, in, in, in it's, in a points, I think that bothered Tiger, you know, like Phil was the beloved and Tiger was just respected. Not so, not so much loved. And especially when Tiger went through the whole scandal thing, you know, sort of Phil emerged as the good guy and Tiger was the bad guy, but, but it's flipped. I mean, Tiger through all the injuries, obviously the car crash has, has sort of been viewed for the one, for, for one time in his life, he was sort of the underdog. And I think people like rooting for the underdog. And that was sort of what he was when he came back from the back surgery in 2018 and, and he captivated people. I mean, he, you know, months earlier, he was talking about his career might be over. All of a sudden, now he's contending in tournaments. I mean, looking good, um, you know, contended at the at the Open at Carnoustie in 18. He contended at the PGA, finished second to Brooks, um, won the Tour Championship, a very popular win, uh, and then adds the, the Masters the next year. It was really an incredible run, um, and and people really received him well. He was he was beloved. You know, he's a U.S. captain of the President's Cup team, and he played on it and played the best of anybody. There was a lot of really good stuff there. And it, it's it's unfortunate we couldn't see it play out a little bit more. You know, Tiger had some back issues again um, uh, coming out of the pandemic, and we don't know when he would have come back last year. Obviously, the crash, you know, ended all that speculation, and now he's got something else to deal with, which, you know, has has, has made him a rooting interest again. Uh, and, and all, all the while now, Phil has sort of, you know, made himself out to be the black knight a little bit. He, he, he's, he's been, uh, he, he's taken a lot of criticism for his involvement in live golf and, and for his comments earlier this year about the PJ tour, um, there, uh, you know, Phil was not the only one ready to jump to this thing, but yet he was the one left hanging when, when everybody retreated. And now we've seen how many more have joined him. What is the, or what was the lowest moment in their relationship? Uh, I, you know, I try to highlight the, the moment that was probably the most caustic and that was at the Ryder cup in 2004 when that, that was sort of the height of their tension. Um, they were paired together for, for two matches the first day and it didn't go very well. Although they didn't play nearly as bad as people seem to think um, people forget that they, they, um, they actually weren't that bad. It's just that the first match that day, they got beat by a, a team that made a lot more birdies than they did, even though their score would have held up in other matches. And in the afternoon match, they lost by one hole. They, it came to the 18th hole. They were tied. And, and Phil hit a terrible drive, and they lost the hole. Um, but that said, the, the body language, um, the tone that they're losing set, the way they appeared, it didn't look like they were getting along. They weren't very collaborative and they were just at a point in their careers where that was going to be very difficult to happen. They were not going to be people who, who, you know, that 
Phil won his first major in 04. Finally, he put a dent, a little bit of a dent in Tiger. Phil contended in all the majors in 04. Tiger didn't contend in any. So Tiger was going through a swing change at that time. He actually went all of 03 and 04 without winning a major. So now Phil wins one. He contends in the last three. Now in September, Tiger's going to embrace him at the Ryder Cup. I mean, it just wasn't going to happen. And so that was sort of the height of their tension. And then they they went on a run there, five, six, seven, and eight, where they were both winning majors. Uh, and, and, and some of them, you know, Phil won at Tiger's expense. So it was a very, that was, that was kind of the height of their, of, 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 I guess their rivalry during those five years. Is that a, is that a golf thing? Is that a Tiger Phil thing? Because if you look at back, you know, maybe like with Jordan or Kobe, they would have these tensions, but it seemed that off the court, at least they could kind of work it out with these other players. Um, they could get along with other players. Why, why can these two guys not get along? Yeah, you know, I, I think it was just – I don't know that it wasn't they didn't get along. It's just that they weren't going to be pals, you know. And Tiger was not one to let anybody close back in those days. He kept his rivals at arm's length. You know, he, he didn't want to let in. He, his friends were older. His friends were the guys he didn't view as a threat. He, he, he didn't pal around with guys in, in his in – his, uh, age group or, you know, that, that he felt were at, at his level or could be. And so that's part of it. I think Phil would have been more open to that. Mm-hmm. You know, Phil was more outgoing, more, more gregarious. Um, he always praised Tiger, frankly. He was always very complimentary of Tiger, made it clear that Tiger was great for the game and Tiger made him better. Uh, and Tiger was a little slower with, with that the same respect, although it came, you know, Tiger, Tiger got there, you know, I think with, 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 with maturity and perspective, things change. Yeah. And, and with the benefit of hindsight now, how much of that was Tiger's personality versus what we now know that Tiger was doing off the course and all this other stuff going on in his personal life. Was he, is, is that just his focus or was it more than that that was bleeding into his personal life and he didn't want people to, to really know what was going on? Yeah. You know, I don't know that it had anything to do with his personal life. He didn't let anybody that was even close to him know about that stuff. I mean, his caddy didn't know his coach didn't know. Uh, I'm not sure to what extent his agent even knew, you know, and I think we learned later that, you know, Tiger was embarrassed by that behavior. I I think the, uh, the headlines and the, um, the, you know, the, the, the ridicule got to him, bothered him. It affected his career. You know, he, he had a hard time overcoming that, uh, uh, I think that was part of that was a great part of the redemption story with him with, with winning the Masters. You know, it took a while, uh, not just to get over injury, but just sort of the personal uh, difficulties that he faced. So I'm not sure that that aspect of it had anything to do with the competitive part of it. Um, he just as a competitor was going to, you know, in those early days, the Ryder Cup and being a friend of everybody was just sort of not that was hard for him. It was not, is not what he was, not what he was used to. Uh, and, you know, as, as time went on that, that evolved, you know, he loosened up a little bit. Uh, he became a great teammate in the Ryder cup. Those, these younger guys love him. And uh, that's sort of the interesting thing about his, uh, about his change. How hard was it for Phil to be a all-time great, but behind maybe the greatest or the number two guy, at least. I think at times it, it frustrated Phil. You know, um, he he wondered aloud what, how might his career have been different if there had been no Tiger. You know, would he have won more? Would he have gotten more attention? Um, 
but on this, at the same time, he also acknowledged maybe I wouldn't have worked as hard. Tiger made me work harder. I knew I had to try harder and get better to beat him. And he did, you know, he had his moments. He didn't dominate him, but he did have his moments, probably better than anybody. Um, and, you know, I'd like to point out, Tiger, Phil's got 45 PJ Tour wins. Uh, 36 of those are in the Tiger era. You know, he, Phil won nine times before Tiger turned pro. So that means 36 of those wins came after he turned pro. Nobody's close to that. Nobody. I mean, Dustin Johnson's got 24, but now it appears he'll probably never win another PGA Tour <laughs> event unless he wins a major. Um, you know, I mean, getting to 30 is remarkable. Phil had 36 just in the Tiger era, 45 total. I mean, I think getting to 20 wins is going to be tough going forward. So where will Tiger and Phil rank all time when it's all said and done? Not the rivalry, but them in the, in the pantheon of great golfers. Well, I mean, I think you got to put Tiger in the top two, and I think we can argue whether or not he's one or two. You know, if you just go by pure numbers in terms of majors, it's Jack, Jack Nicholas, certainly 18 to 15. But if you want to bring in other factors like Tiger has 82 win, PJ Tour wins and Jack had 73, well, maybe that evens it out a little bit. Then you factor in that Tiger probably had the, the, you know, he had the harder competition than Jack. It was deeper. He had to face more, he had to face more adversaries than Jack ever did. A lot of people like to bring up the fact that Jack beat all these Hall of Famers. Well, the Hall of Famers were really the only ones who were contending. They were contending because the fields were, were not as deep with talent. You know, Tiger got a run. Look at the guys who beat him. Rich Beam, uh, uh, YEA. I mean, those were their last wins. They, they, they had a great, great week, and that just showed that that could happen. That didn't happen as much to Jack. Um, and also then, you know, you throw in the fact that Tiger had those huge victories at the U.S. Open by 15 and he won the Open at St. Andrews by eight. He won a lot of majors by big margins, uh, which is something that, that Jack really didn't do. So look, I'm, I'm fine, however you want to argue it. I, I think that uh, you can make the argument for either one. I'm, I don't think it diminishes either guy. As far as Phil, um, I think he was probably outside of the top 10 among all-time greats before he won the PGA. The PGA now gives you the ability to argue that he, he should be in the top 10. You know, not too many guys have, have six majors. Then you throw in the 45 wins. I mean, you know, if we, if we all agree that the Tiger, Jack, Arnie, um, Ben Hogan, uh, probably Byron Nelson, Sam Snead, uh, Bobby Jones, that make, they probably make up the top seven. Okay, Gary Player, another one, eight. Um, now, now, now we start to get into the realm of where does Phil fit in? Walter Hagen, you won 11 majors. Uh, what about Gene Sarazen? What about uh, Nick Faldo? What about Lee Trevino? Uh, Tom Watson, I'd even mentioned Tom Watson. So there's another one. He's clearly in there. So um, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting debate, but clear, clearly I think you can make the argument that Phil's, that Phil's a top 10 player all time. And if he's not, he's right there. Okay. How much will Phil going to the live, will, will that affect his legacy? Because um, he won't win any more PGA tournaments, as you mentioned, probably unless he, unless he wins a major, which seems highly unlikely. Um, right. But he, he, at the end of his career, 
it feels like the worst news is coming out about him. Whereas Tiger yeah. kind of at least had a a um, earlier on the worst news coming about him, assuming nothing changes. How will, will that change how his perception is uh, as far as how he's ranked? Will people think he abandoned, I don't know if golf's the right term, but abandoned how golf is generally viewed through the PGA, through this, this, this uh, system? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think, um, you know, Phil certainly hurt his legacy with, with, with this segment of people. There's no doubt. Um, and I don't know that that'll be overcome. I, I choose to look at it as regardless of what you think of Liv, Phil had a 30 year run. That was incredible. He turned pro in 1992. He won a PGA tour event as an amateur in 1991 all the way through 2021, which is 30 years, there was really not much to complain about his career. Yes, he had the issue with the gambling and the SEC thing, which, which um, you know, was not great, but I don't think hurt him that much um, in the overall scheme of things. You know, he was a big part of the Ryder Cup, what he played in, I think, 11 straight Ryder Cups, uh, starting in, in 95 all the way through 2018, um, you know, frankly, if this latest stuff hadn't come up, he would clearly be a, a captain. I don't know where that stands now. Um, I still think he should be a captain, you know, um, uh, no matter what you think of this thing, he's, he's had, he's had an incredible career and I sort of hope that's how it's viewed. So the, the thing that, that I've struggled with is, um, when you look at, um, other sports, there's always a debate about pay, about contracts, guaranteed contracts, all these things are always talked about, especially from sports fans, sports media. Until I know, um, I know players have played in countries that have questionable ethics for sure. Um, they've taken money already. It what's give me the case maybe for and against the live tour because I'm a little torn on why this is such a big deal. Is it because it's Saudi or is it because it's really just bucking the traditional system? Well, let's take the Saudi part of it first. That's the, the, the financing of it is, is a huge issue. I mean, certainly there's tons of controversy around their involvement, um, the public investment fund, you know, what their motives are. Um, you know, I've written about this numerous times about the human rights abuses. You know, there's the link to 9-11. Uh, there's a lot there. But I maintain that if it were a source that we felt fine with, this would still be an issue. So that's where I try to move the Saudi thing out of it. I'm like, even if this, if this were, you know, Bill Gates putting up the money, Mark Cuban or Elon Musk, you know, if it were a, if the funding we considered legitimate, then there would still be a problem because people are tied to tradition and the PGA Tour is their tradition. Um, and the PJ Tour has done very, very well by these guys. And they've made their, this has been their platform. This is where they've made their mark. They've said, you know, Tiger talked about legacy. You know, are we going to count how many live events guys win? But we know how many PJ Tour events they've won. In Europe, it's the same way. You know, Seve Ballesteros won 50 times on the European Tour. That's the benchmark. You know, we, we look at those things. So, so from that standpoint, I, I get it. I, I understand the angst with live. The other side of this is, um, and again, I've tried to play this right down the middle. I try to be fair to both sides and try to understand both sides. You mentioned the, the money. There, are, there isn't guaranteed money involved. And, and, and I get why that's an issue. And this has been percolating beneath the surface for several years. 
how is it that a guy who brings all kinds of value, sells tickets, you know, is, is the reason they have uh, these TV deals and he shows up on Thursday and he's guaranteed zero. There's no other sport that that's like that. Even in tennis, I'm pretty sure that if you are in the main draw of a tennis tournament, even if you lose in the first round, you get paid. In, 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 in golf, you do not get paid if you miss the cut. And that happens every week where guys spend thousands of dollars. If anything, this is highlighting the lower level players who might not be as successful and who, you know, let's say they make $500,000 in prize money. Well, that sounds great. Well, now factor in taxes, factor in they travel to 25 tournaments. I mean, that's easily $75,000 right there just to go to the, those tournaments. You've got to pay the caddy. Some of these guys have a trainer. They have a coach. In pro sports, the teams take care of all that. They take care of all the travel. So I get the idea of wanting to have some guaranteed money. Now, nobody thought it was going to be guaranteed money to this level. But still, the idea of getting paid, whether you make the cut or not, is an issue. Um, I think the idea of getting some sort of an annual fee if you're on the tour is important. It's something that, that people should have, that the tour maybe should have thought about or should have figured out. Not saying it's easy as a, as a nonprofit, as a, um, as, you know, entity, there's issues with, with, with doing that. Um, but still, it, it's like something that these guys have, have known about. Uh, the idea of a rival tour has been percolating beneath the surface for a few years. And the biggest drawing card to it was guaranteed upfront money and no cut events where everybody's going to get paid. And, you know, people say, well, you know, that's not competitive. Well, when the Yankees and the Red Sox are playing and, and it's, it's the dog days of summer and the game gets out of hand, are, are, are they not being, are they not competitive? They get paid the same whether they win or lose, you know? So you can, you can make you can both sides that one too. So I just think it's incredibly complicated. Obviously it's been very polarizing. What, what, if any, is the media's responsibility? Because um, as you mentioned, there's, there's uh, human rights issues involved with the Saudis, but you know, Nike has been sending over athletes to China for years to do these shoe tours. Um, they don't get a lot of publicity. Um, I mentioned that some of these guys have played in Saudi Arabia. It, it feels like for, for me watching this, um, I think those are all interesting conversations to have, but it feels like there's selective outrage when we talk about these topics and, and, Understandably so, it's, it's controversial, but should the media uh, at large question what athletes are doing and where they're getting paid from more regularly, aside from live? Yeah, I think it's a fair point. I mean, selective outrage, I think, is a good term for this because, because there are conflicts. There are, it is complicated. I mean, the PGA Tour, um, you know, has, has had a developmental tour in China. Their human rights abuses are as bad as anybody's. Uh, they've played a tournament there. The European tours played tournaments there. Um, you know, they've all done business in the Middle East. Uh, FedEx, the t- tour's big, big uh, benefactor, you know, with their big prize fund, uh, their big uh, bonus pool, which is significant and it's very impressive and it's very lucrative. Um, they business in Saudi and it's not a little, you know, it's, right. it's millions of dollars. Right. And, 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 the, and the PIF invests in FedEx. The PIF, the public investment yeah. fund, oh, yeah. which is, you know, has all this money. They invest in, you know, hundreds, hundreds of U.S. companies like Uber and Disney. And, you know, they're, they're stockholders, though. And it's not doing it's not the same as working for them. I, I'll grant you that. 
But like, where do you draw the line? I mean, you know, do we start talking about where tournaments are held in the U.S. because of because of certain states' policies? That's happened with the NCAA. You know, they 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 threatened to not go to certain places with their regionals due to you know uh, the transgender issue. I mean, what you know, what, what, what could that happen in golf? Do they do, do, do they decide to not play in states that have strict abortion laws? Is that an issue? Does that become an issue? Um, I mean. I just think it gets really, really complicated when you delve into these areas and a guy, and as a guy who's trying to cover golf <laughs> and birdies and bogeys, that it becomes, you know, it becomes, it becomes a, a challenge, you know, I mean, I don't have all the answers. Certainly. Right. Well, and I think that the things that you point out there, I think this, whatever folks think about the live tour, um, you know, you could be forward or against it, but when you start peeling back the layers of what the world actually operates like, it, it's, it's not as crystal clear that this is right or that, or that's wrong or, 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 you know, being consistent on these issues. And so, okay. Bubba Watson, we mentioned he's the latest defector. You've got an article on SI will link to, is he the last big name to go? I don't think so. I really don't. I think they've got more to come after, after either the tour championship uh, uh, at the end of August. Uh, Liv won't, won't be playing another event now after this until September. Um, you know, to their credit, they've, they've left open the stage for the majors, the big legacy events on tour and the FedEx cup playoffs, which started two, uh, two weeks. Um, they've left that stage open. Um, and, uh, uh, so they've got two events in September. I would think there might be a few more names right after the tour championship that, that some guys might wait until after the president's cup, which is at the end of September. Um, and, uh, uh, and then, you know, by the end of the year, I think they'll be set. And, and, you know, their plan is to have set 48 players next year, uh, 12 four man teams with the team set and, and not much change there. I guess there could be some change if a captain decides he wants to get a new player in, but that's not, that's not the idea uh, completely. And so that's when that'll be the big test for live next year is when, there's not the constant news about defections. Will, will the actual events Hold their own. matter to us? Yeah. Will they, will they get some sort of a better over, over the air or streaming deal that, that's more easily accessible? That, that's when things will get interesting. Okay, last question for you. Go back to the book for half a second. What was your favorite story in the book? Favorite story. Well, I think the favorite story that probably highlights the, the friction between Tiger and Phil had to do with the 2000 PGA Championship at uh, Hazeltine. Um, <clears throat> Hazeltine ended up sort of being Tiger's kryptonite. He, he finished second in two PGAs there. That year, <clears throat> he was in the second to last group. Rich Beam and Fred Funk were in the last group. And at, with nine holes to go, Rich Beam had a six-shot lead. Looked like he was going to win pretty easily. Tiger and the group in front of him buried the last four holes to, to close it to two. And now Beam's on the 18th tee with a two-shot lead, and he just needs a bogey to get it in and win. And what happened was is he was a little shaky. He did make a bogey, but he needed to make like a three-footer to, 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 to sew it up. And he did, and he won by one. Well, Tiger's in the scoring area with Fred Funk, you know, he'd signed a scorecard at the group in front and he just watched it from there. And when, when beam hold out to win tiger stood up and kind of gave a fist pump 
you know, like, like, yeah, like he was happy for him. And Funk didn't understand that. He was like, Tiger, what, what are you doing? He just won. There's no playoff. He did. And, and Tiger just barked out. That's Rich Beam one, Phil Mickelson zero. And he, and he, he took great joy in the fact that a guy like Rich Beam, who, listen, I love Rich. He's a great guy. He does, does TV for Sky and he's, he, he, he got the most out of his career. But, you know, Rich Beam was not a highly ranked player. It, it gave Tiger great joy that Rich Beam had a major and Tiger didn't. And that kind of pointed out to me how they were, you know, they were not seeing eye to eye. Uh, that's hilarious. Okay. We will link to the book, of course, we'll link to your article on Bubba Watson. Where else do you want to send people to? Yeah. SI.com golf is, is probably the number one spot. I'm on Twitter at Bob Herrig. And uh, I get into a few little t- tiffs there once in a while. Um, the live thing has been very polarizing. I try to stay right down the middle on it because it's amazing the emotion this thing has brought out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I appreciate the shout out on the book. Uh, it was a, you know, proud of that project. And uh, I hope people enjoy it if they haven't had a chance to check it out yet. Awesome. Okay. Again, we'll link to that all in the show notes. We'll link to your Twitter. Um, and uh, thank you again for coming on. Thanks a lot for having me. Appreciate it. Okay. If you want to join the conversation about the live tour in my perspective, your perspective, the newsletter, ryanraysenior.com slash newsletter, that's where I respond to fan inquiries. I engage with them right there. So give me your thoughts, ryanraysenior.com slash newsletter, sign up for it and let me know what you think about players joining the live tour. With that, we'll talk to you real soon.